All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. Okay, three, two, one, hit it. It's the Chris and Amy Show. You know who it is. Also, if you didn't know, this is called the show. Now, Amy Marks pours Chris Ranji on KMOX. Hey, good morning, friends. It is the Chris and Amy show, and today the show features Amy. It oh, actually, hey. Yeah, it actually features Amy. She's here. She's with us. She's alive. She's okay. Hello, Amy Markscores. Worried sick about you. Well, I am. I'm doing my best, Ron. I was trying to be what you might call a trooper, but I heard you disparaging me yeah, earlier. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Well, well, it's good to be back. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good to have you with us. Um, we want to hear from you, 314-436-7900. That's the number to call or text the show. You know that, of course. Put it in your phone and, uh, you know, be a part of our festivities um, every single day. Also, voicemails, which you can leave at any time, 314-944-1120. That is 944-1120. We're expecting to visit with Amy Anderson from KMBZ, trying to connect with her here um, just for a few moments because there have been more arrests made following the Kansas City shooting after the Chiefs Super Bowl parade. She's supposed to be joining us here in a few moments, so we're looking to connect with her. We've got Major Garrett on the show. Matt Pauley will be visiting with us. We're going to check in from Cardinal Spring Training in Jupiter, Florida. Brian Stull, who is with the Battle Hawks, the St. Louis Battle Hawks, now a member of the UFL. He is the communications director there, and he is going to join the show because their season is coming up and tickets are on sale now for that. So a lot is happening on the show today. So again, expecting to uh, visit with Amy here in a little bit. Not this Amy Marks course. But right, first of all, how, how, how are you feeling? Are you good? I'm good. You know, I'm not going to lie, Ranch. It hit me pretty hard. Isn't it? It's like crazy to me that we're still kind of in this and it's the new flu, but I feel like it's way more contagious than the flu. Okay. I never got, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I never got the flu and, and people are saying, well, this is COVID now. This is the post COVID world where it's going to go around like the flu and I'll knock you down. And it did. It's just that I feel like, oh, my gosh, this is way easier to catch than the flu. So it's weird to have COVID again. Well, I mean, it go, it's it's funny because um, with COVID, it felt like months had gone yeah. by many, many months. And I personally, just my own anecdotal evidence, didn't really know anybody who had it. And then suddenly it's like everybody has it. And right. it feels like that has been the cycle for this particular thing for Gosh, now two years where nobody has it and then everybody has it. It is way more prevalent than flu, at least anecdotally. I I agree. No, I agree. This time, so I I think I slept for four days straight. Oh, <laughs> like I didn't get out of bed. And then I started Googling 
Like how long do you have to be in bed before you get pneumonia? How do you get a bed? Well, how do you get a bed sore? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like so oh, worried. <laughs> I, I was making myself get out of bed. I'm like, is this how people die? Is this how people get pneumonia? What is a bed sore? I, I didn't know. So I was like forcing myself to get out of bed because I just, I slept and slept and slept and slept. Do you know what I did? I did once I woke up like four days after I initially got sick, I, I started watching the bear. That's an intense oh, show. Great show. That is a great show. I, yeah. I, it's not a show that you fall asleep to. That's for sure. No, it's not one of those relaxing shows. And there, no. I think it, it's the second season. I'm not going to tell you, but there's one episode yeah. in the second season where I was like, when it was over, I was sweating. I was like, that is, <laughs> this is, this is too much. This one is too much. But I, I love that show. It's really well done. Dialogue's great. And it's one of those, um, kind of, I mean, it, it won Emmys. It was mm-hmm. nominated for a, a bunch of awards, but it sort of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And and the story behind it is the person who wrote it, you know, he there's this beef stand in Chicago, and he told the guy who owns it, who's a friend of his, I'm writing the show, and it's going to be based on this place. And that guy who owned it said, yeah, okay, like it was going to be anything, and it turned yeah. out to be this really good show. So, And I heard that people who are in the restaurant industry, there are a lot of them who just can't watch it because it's too It's too real. Yeah. It, yeah. Yes. It, it's traumatic. Really does feel that way. So yeah. um, Amy Anderson from KMBZ was supposed to be visiting with us today, okay. but she is running into a problem that a lot of Americans are running mm. into today, and that is cell phone trouble. We are there. There That's are right. yes, there are cell phone issues. Cell service has been out around the country. Many different carriers. Well, actually, it's it's more AT and T than anything else. But and other carriers are having difficulty c- calling into AT and T. So, um, not exactly sure what the problem is there. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's if, what we're gonna do. What? Take a break. If, oh, oh you. no! I was gonna say if you have AT and T and you can't and you can't call or text anybody, yeah. and you're mad about it, we want to hear from you. So we want you to call or text us. Yeah, if you at have AT. That's if you right. have AT&T and you cannot call or text, we want to know. So That's... call or text us at 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. If you have AT&T, call yeah. us or text us and let us yeah. know how your service is. And or you if, you're, call or text. if you're having difficulty um, getting through to us for some reason, do this. Get on the Wi-Fi. Follow us on Twitter at ChrisAmyKMOX and send us a screenshot of you trying to call the show. Just oh, so we, just so we know you tried. That we do need proof. Yes. Because you can't say, "Hey, I tried." If there's no video or photographic proof, how do we know you're not just you lying. Know, pulling our leg? You could be lying. Right. Yep. You could be lying. We're not we're not having liars on this show. So, uh 314-436-7900 try to call us and uh, screenshot it if it doesn't work out. Um, um hey, yes. Raj, I do have a quick update. You know how I'm the assistant to the assistant coach for the Incarnate Word fifth grade boys basketball team? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it was a tough season. They uh, We went 0-12. It was uh, a tough season. Went 0-12. We'll get them next time. It, well, well, and then the playoffs started. And you, it's sign-up playoffs, so you sign up for the playoffs. And the 0-12 Eagles won their first playoff game. Oh, did they? Against all odds. And wow. I said... I said, what did, what did the coach say when you guys won? Because I wasn't there. I was sick. 
And I said, what did the coach say when you guys won? And they go, he said, I can't believe you guys won. I'm like, well, that's great. Wow. Awesome. And guess what? They won their second playoff game. They're playing for the, re- right. the little division finals. Do you, you understand what's going on here now, don't you? It's me. Yeah. Yeah. You, I know. Now you, I, I can't go to any games because they were 0-12 with me. And then I get sick. You're actively making them worse. I know. I know. I think here's what they were doing. They were saving their wins for what matters, the playoffs. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Like the NBA? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so 0-12, but now they are what, Hold on a second. Playoffs. What is this 0-12 getting into the playoffs thing? You missed what I said. I said it's sign-up playoffs. Oh, sign-up sign playoffs. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Part. Okay. Yeah, the playoffs in this league, CYC. Well, then what's baby. the regular season for? That's what I'm telling you. What are These we even boys, doing? That's exactly right. These boys were smarter than all of us. They what? outwitted all of CYC by going 0-12 in the regular season and then winning two playoff games. How much load management were you guys doing this year? I don't even know what that means. Okay. That's Amy Marks Kors <laughs> broadcasting from home. <laughs> You're unbelievable. Broadcasting a little high from... on medicine right now, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. It's the I've medicine. got that amoxicillin high, baby. Yeah. Everybody knows what that does to you. Amy Marks Kors, Chris Ranji. He got KMOX. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. kind of figured this would happen today or at least there was the possibility of this happening um amy marks cores and chris ranji amy is back um we've got cell problems mobile service problems issues outages have been happening across the country namely um with at&t customers are reporting these massive outages hub tens of thousands of people have had difficulty as of this morning and i think you can imagine that number is growing because the first reports we got that there were any problems were cities like san francisco and chicago but we know personally plenty of people now in st louis who are having problems our very own tyler is having problems with at&t um our guest for the 10 o'clock uh, segment right at the top of the show out of kmbz in kansas city she was having at&t problems so this is amy this is um and, and hopefully it'll get rectified. What they are saying as of right now is that this is not a cyber attack. They don't believe that it is anything to do with that. Um, you know, the, the Russians or, you know, any other entity, China uh, messing with our, our cell service, that it's likely some sort of technical thing on their end. But it makes me think, Amy, of two different things. Um, lately, all of the end-of-the-world disaster movies start with the cell towers going out. Mm-hmm. And so I think, oh, God, here we go. The This is it. This is it. It's happening today. And the other thing I think of is the thing you and I have been talking about, that the AM signal is so valuable 
And it's I know it's a little self-serving to talk about it because we are on 11:20 a.m. Well, but we're nothing. We're nothing if not self-serving. We are, yeah, I don't care about that. Uh, but it is. It's and that's why there are people in Congress from both sides of the aisle that have been making this push to make sure that the AM signal stays in electric vehicles. Now, I know this is not the same thing as being able to make a phone call. I get that. But in times of real emergency, this is one of the most stable forms of communication, at least letting people know what's going on and, you know, instructions for what to do if something really does go bad. It, that was one of the first things I thought of this morning in reading about all of these issues. I personally have T-Mobile. I'm good. Everything's good on my end. But yeah. I can imagine how bad it would be if everybody around the country lost cell service and how important cell service is. And it's 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 part of our daily life oh, now. I, I feel like we're on the precipice of disaster every single day because it takes the tiniest the tiniest hiccup in our whole system, whether it be cell service or whether the electric goes out in your house for a little bit and you realize, wait, now I don't have Wi-Fi before your whole world comes crashing down. I think that's actually one of the scarier aspects of modern society is that we're all, I feel like operating on this single thread that could be so easily snapped. We're so reliant on it. How many phone numbers do you know by heart? Only the ones, like only a couple that I knew from back in the day before we had smartphones. It's like my mom's and mine. Yep. And and my dad's, which I'm starting to forget. I think I think I do remember the landline of the house I grew up in. Those are maybe the three numbers I know by heart. You know what? So do I. Yeah. I, I do the too. That's line. really funny. And my grandparents. You know what's also- and also, what's funny is I grew up in that house as a, like, as a little kid. My parents moved, you know, almost two decades ago. Uh, when I got the first COVID vaccine, they're like, is this still your phone number? And I thought, wow, how do you know that phone number? That phone number was from 100 years ago in a house that I don't live in, in a landline that doesn't exist anymore. But that was the number they had. Wow. That's great. You know what? I... You mentioned the, the the phone number growing up. I remember mine. I remember mm-hmm. my grandparents' landline forever. Um, it's that's wild, you know. That's yeah. It, but I don't remember anybody else's phone number right now. If you ask me to, I know three one four four three six seventy nine hundred. That's the that's number to the KMOX. I know the uh, voicemail line three one four nine four four eleven twenty. I know my mom's, and that's it. I don't know anything yeah. else. I don't know any other phone numbers by heart. So if you go to jail, will you just call KMOX or your mom? I, um, uh, well, you know what? I'll probably call the station first because mm-hmm. the last person I want to know that I've gone to jail is my mother. Yeah. And I'm calling. I'm calling Pam. The first thing, the first, the moment I find out that you've inevitably been arrested, which will happen at some point, I'm calling Pam. So apparently landlines are still operational, and we're getting a few text messages into the text line saying, I have AT&T, things seem to be working uh, for me anyway. A text coming in from Champagne says, my LTE is working. Um, another one from a 314, I had no service for over an hour, but I hear people are still able to text. I was not. Things look good for me at the moment. So I don't know. It, it, 
I don't think it's every AT&T customer. No. But what's interesting, Amy, there was still a, a story that was written two weeks ago, and it was in CNN about how landlines, which apparently have been okay all day, are being phased out, and a lot of service providers are getting closer to just completely getting rid of <laughs> landline service altogether. Oh, is there a dog there, too? There's a dog here, yes. So, oh, yep. so there's a dog there. You're broadcasting from the bathroom. Anything else we need to know? <laughs> Sorry. I have built a tent. I've built a tent. Uh, I'll keep working on it. Well, okay. You're going to have well, the texter says, why does it sound like Amy is in a tunnel? Because uh, <laughs> she must be. All right. I'm going to fix this, guys. Okay. You're going to fix this. Is it not any better right now? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I can't might be that headset. Oh. This is a disaster. <laughs> this, is, this, this is my version of AT&T going down. Well, like, this is, this it's just is not a great day for tech. Amy's over there. Can you hear me now? No, we can't. <laughs> can't hear you. Anyway, I will say, our landlines, because this was something I was thinking of. I was watching cable news. Of course, AT&T is everywhere. Uh, the, about the fact that it's down. Uh, landlines are a bit more popular now. Well, our landline's going to stay operational. I don't know. Is that dog going to keep barking? <laughs> you know what? Amy, I'm, Amy, here's yeah. what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. You're going to go put that dog in a cage, and then we'll come back and do the show. We have found out... By the way, good news, Major Garrett must not have AT&T because he's good to go. What's, I, I'm muting. What, <laughs> what does Amy? What does Max think of that? Does Max have any questions he'd like to ask Major Garrett? We'll do All that. Right. We'll do yeah. that when we come back on KMOX. Oh, darling, 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 fuck with me. Oh, you got so much, so much. Chris and Amy show on KMOX, and it's Thursday morning after the 1030 news, which means it's time to visit with our guy, Major Garrett. He is the chief Washington correspondent for CBS News. His book is The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. And he's got a couple of really great podcasts, The Takeout and Agent of Betrayal. Major Garrett is with us this morning. Good morning, Major. Good morning. How is everyone? Well, we're glad that you don't have AT&T. And, oh man! And you're you're able to to get through to us. Yes, I guess you've had some dial-up issues this morning. Uh, there have been some problems around the country. Yeah. It's it's good that you're accessible and uh, with us. Hey, I want to start with the the news of the um, FBI informant, which we've mm-hmm. been following over the last forty eight hours, which seems to be a pretty big deal. That yes. you've got this guy who presented this evidence in the. Um, the Biden uh, probe, and mm-hmm. that evidence appeared to have been fake, and he knew it. So what, what exactly is going on here, and what's the reaction been? So if you remember about a year ago when there was a lot of conversation about Iowa Republican Senator Chuck Grassley unveiling a confidential source report in relationship to the Biden investigation, there was a lot of conversation about why would you do that uh, confidential informants uh, by their very nature, traffic and information that needs to be confirmed at many different levels. 
before anyone can even begin to make a prosecutorial decision, let alone do you think you can use that credibly before a jury to win a conviction to so many steps in the process. Back then, Senator Grassley said it was of such enormous public interest that all the previous and precedential hesitation about releasing a confidential report didn't really matter because it was so important and so explosive and so important. Uh, Lawyers would call it probative, meaning it's of such value that the public simply had to know about it. Well, as the kids sometimes say, that hasn't aged well, okay? Because the source of this document was this person who is now being charged by the Justice Department. He has due process rights. He has to be convicted, but he is charged with lying. And then in his custodial interview, after being charged, said, well, you know what? This came from uh, Russian intelligence services or Much of it was informed by Russian intelligence services. We don't know all the facts on it, but we know enough to say that it's a lie and that it might have been a structured and intentional lie inserted into the American political bloodstream intentionally by Russian intelligence services. That puts at least a portion of the Biden impeachment investigation on, and this is being charitable, very very rocky and unstable ground. So where do we go from here, Van, with this investigation and inquiry? Well, uh, Republicans have it. They have an inquiry. They have two committees, at least, looking at it. One committee or another, at some point, is going to have to make a decision about writing up and putting before the committee articles of impeachment, if there is evidence sufficient to require that. This takes a lot of potential evidence out, or at least casts it in very, very dubious light. So you can't have an impeachment process on the House floor without articles of impeachment passed by a committee of jurisdiction. And whether that committee of jurisdiction, whether it's judiciary or some other committee, can put the evidence together, write the articles of impeachment, and actually pass them in committee is an open question, because the committees are narrowly drawn because the House Majority-minority ratio is so narrowly drawn. So if there are any Republican defections in committee, they can't pass them out. And that's very much an open question because some Republicans look at this and say, I was okay with launching an inquiry, but that did not commit me to voting for articles of impeachment. And so articles of impeachment are a very high-profile vote. There are tremendous constitutional implications and political ones. And if you don't have evidence... Some Republicans are not going to back them up. So the next question is, can you write articles? Can you get them out of committee? And even if you get them out of committee, can you get a majority of the House to vote for them? And right now, the House Republican leadership can find very few things quite separate from impeachment to get a majority of the House to vote for. It'll be very interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Meanwhile, James Biden, uh, the president's brother, He testified behind closed doors. What did we Mm -hmm. learn? Well, uh, that he told the committee investigators that he did not do anything on behalf of his brother, the president of the United States, and that there were – now, look, this is what has been said. I don't know. I haven't reviewed the transcripts. I wasn't in the room. Um, But essentially, he provided testimony consistent with what – 
the president has said and the president's defenders have said that there was involvement with other entities, some of them foreign. The president didn't benefit, didn't order, didn't intervene, didn't act as a agent or a, a guarantor of anything. Um, and so that has been the sum total, I believe, of the summaries of what he told the committees. Satisfactory to Republicans? Probably not. But again, in this space, you have to have ev- evidence sufficient to write articles and then get the votes to pass them. And we're not there yet. Yesterday, Joe Biden canceled more student debt, $1.2 billion mm-hmm. of student loan debt. They're now saying that the Biden administration has canceled $138 billion in federal student loans. Obviously, we know the Supreme Court had their ruling saying, well, you can't mm-hmm. just wipe out all debt. So Joe right. Biden is going bit by bit. Is there any um, pushback to this, to the uh, approach that the president is taking? And does all of this seem like it will stand? So I don't know if anyone's going to file a lawsuit over this. Um, A lawsuit was filed over the larger effort by the Biden administration, which was on kind of shaky constitutional ground. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't do that. The law, the law that you're using, the law that you're citing doesn't provide these authorities. Congress never intended them and you overstepped. And so we're going to knock you down for that. These are different applications of other laws in which the executive authority does appear clearer or at least more tightly aligned with congressional intent. So someone may sue, but the Supreme Court may side with the Biden administration on this. You can't take their, that is to say, the White House's assurance is that it's constitutionally on the up and up because that's what they said about the last one, which the Supreme Court knocked down. But after the Supreme Court knocked down the big effort, The White House said, we're going to try as best we can in whatever places we can in however bite-sized chunks we can to address this issue. It was a huge and visible campaign promise. It is one that they are trying to fulfill because they can't get legislation out of Congress and they're trying to do it through whatever administrative powers it can assert aligned with original congressional intent. And they say that's where they are. After the failure to get that Senate border bill into the House Mm -hmm. and even to a vote on the floor of the House, which uh, by all indications would have passed the House Mm -hmm. of Representatives, but it never got there. um, The president is considering executive action at the border. How is that playing right now in Washington? So one of my colleagues here at CBS, Camilo Gavas, uh, Antoya, has done some reporting on this, and he is reporting that sometime next week there'll be executive actions from the administration on tightening some asylum procedures at the border. And this would be an answer to what Republicans in the House particularly have always said to the president. You don't need legislation. You can do some things by executive action, which is true. But many of the things that are now being considered by the Biden White House are as restrictive as things put in motion by the Trump White House that were challenged and blocked in court. And this is where people need to step back and understand. Yes, there are executive powers, but they are not universal and they don't go as far. They can never go as far as legislation passed by Congress and signed by a president. They're fundamentally different. And by 
the, con- the construction of our country from its origins, we wanted fewer executive powers in the hands of the presidency and more in the hands of Congress. Why? Because the founders believed Congress through the House and Senate would be more responsive to the people and the president more responsive to executive powers. And you keep those narrow and those broader ones in Congress, that's more equitable. It's a better arrangement. So, yes, a president can write an executive order, can do things with that power. But they're, A, challengeable in court and much more vulnerable in court than legislation is. And legislation will always cover more parts of it in more places because the powers given to Congress are broader than powers given to the president. So, yes, there can be executive interventions, but legislation would be better. That's why Senate Republicans and Democrats work so hard to create a bill, pass a bill, which for now, House Republicans are ignoring. So, yes, the White House will do some things. Will they be as effective and as long-lasting? and as resilient to court challenge as something that had been passed by Congress? No, they won't. Major, how much of this motivation to take executive action is because of the sheer numbers at the southern border or because of the many different nationalities? We're talking China, halfway across the world, people coming Mm Um, 40-day trips to 10 different countries to get to the Mm -hmm. southern border into the U.S. How much does that kind of change the game as far as national security goes? If if, uh, those in the audience haven't seen it, uh, I recommend a piece that Sharon Alfonsi of 60 Minutes did about Chinese nationals coming through holes in the border wall. Um, It's a great piece. It shows how easily they navigate. It talks about that long journey through many countries and what they had to pay to get there. There's a hole in the wall, they just walk right through it, over and over and over again, every day, day after day after day. That's a great piece that sort of illustrates at a very human level and a geographic level this particular problem. It's mostly the numbers, Amy, to answer your question. It's the numbers and the, the political, enormous political backlash that the White House is dealing with on this issue. That's why the president was so willing to make compromises in the Senate, compromises that would have been, as we've discussed before, inconceivable even six months ago in order to address this issue. That legislative outcome doesn't appear possible any longer, even though the Senate passed it. So he's got to use executive action. And then he will talk about, well, this is what I'm doing, but I could do so much more if Congress would help me out on this. And I will tell you, Democrats are trying to turn up the heat on this and say to Republicans, look, If this is such a big issue, if fentanyl is so dangerous, if the numbers are so terrible, why won't you deal with it? Now, the House Republican response is, why would we pass a law that we don't believe this administration will enforce? Which is the whole allegation against Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of Homeland Security, which is why the House Republicans impeached him. You don't enforce the laws that are already on the books. Why would we give you more laws that that you would or could ignore? That's the divide, and that's the one... The divide that does not appear bridgeable between House Republicans and the White House. It just seems ridiculous. So then no laws at all. You're not going to well, enforce I mean, them. I mean, what, that, so, 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 I mean, and that's a great, and I'm so glad you raised it that way, because that is the answer back. Look, two years ago or two and a half years ago, the political winds were not blowing in your direction. Now they're blowing in your direction, House Republicans. You've got the issue. You've got the prominence. You've got the visibility. Now you've got the legislative remedies. Do you honestly believe this president and the secretary of Homeland Security, with all those things now being a given, 
the politics, the legislation, the imperative, a re-election campaign, they're not going to do these things? And you don't think you would have the power to monitor that and highlight it instantaneously? Of course you would. So if you really, really genuinely wanted to solve the problem, there does appear to be a legislative mechanism. But that currently is not alluring as the political cudgel of the issue. Who is on the takeout this week? So there's a guy in the House of Representatives named Patrick Mahangany. He got uh, quite famous unintentionally. He never wanted to be this famous as the temporary speaker. Remember while the Republicans were trying to find whoever that could yeah. be the new speaker? The guy with the bow tie. The guy with a, Kevin McKee, the guy with a bow tie. Yeah. So he's known for the bow tie, but he should be known from far more things. In his earlier life in the House Republican leadership, he was the chief deputy whip, the number one vote counter, one of the smartest, shrewdest people understanding how legislation gets across the line, whether or not there's going to be a shutdown, can the Ukraine aid be passed? All of that is addressed. The really sharp, bright conversation from a guy who knows which way is up, and he's, he's, he was fun to talk to. Looking forward to hearing to it and looking forward to speaking with you again next Thursday. Thank you, Major. Thank you. Major Garrett, Chief Washington Correspondent, CBS News. He's got the book, uh, The Big Truth. He has the podcasts, The Takeout and Agents of Betrayal. They are all available on the Odyssey app, just like our show is. A-U-D-A-C-Y, the show live and the podcasts later. It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. You got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Amy, uh, we have some of the same fears, you know, um, yeah. going to prison. Um, I think being on an airplane is one of them. Did you? Here's another one of mine. I am terrified of driving down the road and falling into a sinkhole. Oh, that's that. Yep. 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 Yeah. Because I've seen, you know, cars fall into sinkholes and there's water down there and then you can't get out and then you die. Mm-hmm. So a, uh, did you see the sinkhole that happened in South St. Louis? No. At the intersection of Blow and Idaho, a sinkhole <laughs> opened. It was just off I-55, and um, the workers there, it was a six-inch water main break at the intersection, and it caused the sinkhole. I So, remember we were talking about the, uh, the water issues out front of St. Louis Police Headquarters on Olive, mm-hmm. and there was a flooding going on? I would drive home that way sometimes. And I thought, this is the time the sinkhole opens up, yeah. and I go into this, and I drown. Yeah, that's I a terrible I was worried time. about that. I had a fear that I will drive off of the entrance ramps and exit ramps on highways. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. I've never been afraid fear. of that one. I'm afraid of that one. I'm also afraid of this. Did you uh, see that some commercial planes are going hitting speeds of over 800 miles an hour? Is, is that too fast (laughs) yeah most commercial flights 500 to 600 miles per hour but there have been winds like tailwinds of over 200 miles per hour that have propelled three planes on international routes allowing them to reach over 800 miles per hour which is faster than the sound barrier but they're not breaking the sound barrier because the air they're traveling in is so fast so like they're yeah This is a plane I could be on potentially is going 800 miles an hour. One of the international flights arrived over an hour early. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Who would complain about that? You know what? 
Yeah. Honestly, you could have told me that that a typical commercial flight goes a thousand miles an hour, and I'd say, okay. Are you serious? I don't you know didn't how know? fast it goes. I knew they went. I always thought it was like four or five hundred, but it says five or six hundred miles an hour. But they were reaching like there was a, a flight that reached eight hundred and twenty-two miles an hour. But because the air they were in was traveling so fast, they didn't break the sound barrier. I need to go Mach two in order to feel <laughs> it was, alive. It was a United Airlines flight. Amy, Marks, Kors, Chris, Ranji, when we come back, there is a uh, middle school here in the St. Louis area that's trying to lure teachers in by offering a four-day work week. We're going to talk to Dr. Eric Arbetter about that when we come back on KMOX. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 